Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. But it's great because now I can park places that I were off limits before. So it's been a lot of fun. Like handicap spots? On, on the transition. No, like next to cart returns and things like that because I don't care. <laughs> it's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you. Was just telling Quaid, I'm like truck guy now. Right. I had, I had uh, at least uh, my Kia Optima and uh, did some work for them. And it was great. I loved it. And... Um, now, my my needs have changed, and so I've just I, I've had this sort of older. It's like a mid '90s Ford Ranger for a while. Got investment property and stuff like that, and I needed to kind of work on it and that kind of thing. So hmm. I've never been. You've known me for a long time. I've never been like fancy car guy. I'm not car guy. I'm I'm so utilitarian. Boy, I've yeah, I've known you through a lot of different vehicles. Because the Regal was still running when I got yes. to Sedalia, right? So yeah. I had the two-tone gold 78 Buick Regal. I think it had a couch for a back seat. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Uh, and then that gave up the Ghost. And you had a Camaro. I, well, that see, you had n- rusty Camaro. See for a now, while. see that's the key part. It wasn't it wasn't some brand new shiny Camaro. This had been rescued from a fire. Yeah. It had been engulfed in in a in a in a, in a fire. It this was a was rebuild. Like Hound dog Camaro. Yes, this, this, yes. this was found in a junkyard somewhere. And Sean went, "I'll drive it." See, and I'm just I'm I'm not like fancy <laughs> car guy. It's just, it's just it's just a utilitarian thing. If you're looking to drive a screw, an eight hundred dollar hammer is not going to help you. Yeah. Uh, as evidenced, if you if you met Sean when he first moved into town, he exactly. was driving a little tiny pickup truck exactly. that he affectionately referred to as Red Sexy. Mm-hmm. But the joke being, it was the furthest thing right. from sexy on the road. It was kind of like a, a pug. They're so ugly, they're cute. <laughs> you know, it's it's, yeah. it's that effect. So it's fun. It's been well, it's been a long time since I've been truck guy. So I was just having fun with it this weekend. Just a, a mid nineties Ford Ranger. Nothing to it. Air doesn't work. No radio. I was going to say, difficulty keeping that running? You got to like do... No, actually, that's what's been great about it. You don't have to mess with the carburetor? Nope, nope. That's what's been great about it. I've got uh, somebody uh, in my close sphere who is a uh, young mechanic, and uh, he did a little bit of work on it. I mean, just a little bit, and uh, it's, it's great. I've had it for... We've had it for at least a year and a half. Uh, yeah, I'd say at least, yeah, probably at least longer than that, half. but your so, needs have changed. Yeah. And, and that's the point. Needs have changed. Needs have changed. And so it was it, at one point we have like three people at the house and we had, I think like five vehicles. And so it, it was just, it was time to, it's too much. It's time to downsize. And I tell this story for a reason because your needs have changed. Mm-hmm. You have to accept that reality. Illinois is finding itself in this same situation. Needs are changing in the state 
and what we should be doing about it is different than choices that have been made in the past. Uh, Paul Simon Public Policy Institute uh, released another poll at the end of last week, and we were so busy at the end of the week that we didn't get a chance to get to this, but it asked a 1,000 registered Illinois voters how they, meaning you, how you, the voter, would go about fixing the state and the $9 billion, and growing, by the way, $9 billion and growing budget deficit. 33% said they would use a mix of spending cuts and tax increases. So 33% at least gave lip service to what Governor Rauner has been talking about and what Michael Madigan has been talking about. Now, you have to read deeper into that. Unfortunately, it doesn't go deeply into specifics. You can't do that in a general poll. You know, you can't, okay, which line item of the budget? That's not something that's going to be realistic to... on this survey, it wasn't a fill-in-the-blank. It gave they gave you choices. Right. And by the way, I th- I thought that this was Illinois policy. This was this was this was Paul Simon's. This group? was yeah, Paul Simon Public Policy okay. Institute. So this is this is the crossroads that we're at in the state. Much like myself with the pickup, our needs in the state of Illinois are changing. We don't have the revenue to support all of the choices that our representatives in Springfield are making. And so the fundamental question remains, do we become a big government socialist state or do we make the necessary cuts and they'll be painful? It's not going to be fun and games. Become? A lot of people tell you that that's what we've been. Do we get back to a lean, balanced budget, government doing only the things that are appointed to government? Here's... And the reason I I added that last phrase in it, I I think it's important, is the supposition, if if you read articles done by those who acknowledge that they are statists, that they are socialists, that they are proponents of big government because they believe that only a big government can ensure equality of outcome, they're not shy about saying, yeah, yeah, you got to raise taxes because you got to pay for it somehow. But there's also is the fundamental understanding that government, and they'll tell you it's by necessity because they believe that government is always benevolent, is always good, that they government has to expand beyond the scope of what's required in a constitution, that the constitution was written, and each state constitution we're talking about here now, not the federal constitution, was written artificially narrow to overly constrict government. They'll be up front if they're of that ideology. And that's really what it comes down to. To me, the answer is simple. I didn't say it was pain-free, but I I say it's simple. The first thing you do is you go in and you chop out all of the expansion beyond the powers of government that are called for in the state constitution. Woo! And then then you reassess after that where you're at. Because this is like a kudzu vine. Unless you actively cut it back, burn it back, rip it out, it's going to keep growing everywhere you don't want it to grow, and it's going to use the fact that it has the power to grow there to overcome and take that area. And and, and this, and they know this, mm-hmm. therefore, by you uh, trimming back, burning back, uh, they say you're hurting people in the state by doing that. Really, what they're, they're using that as an excuse for you to not hurt them. You're right. You're, they're using that as, as an excuse to 
essentially, if, if I may be so bold as to use some liberal language uh, against its creator, how dare you? They are, they are an expansionistic power. Liberals and, and, and socialists have railed against the colonial era around the world, uh, how much harm Great Britain did by being an expansionist colonial power. They're, they are the expansionist power now. Only their vehicle is native government. Right, it's not. And they're expanding across your rights, your interests, and your freedoms. Illinois is not taking over Missouri or Iowa or Indiana. If anything, it'd be vice versa right now. Well, the, but what is what has occurred then is it's more and more of your freedoms and, and monies that they're taking over. Yeah, it's it's not the, the physical acquisitions. It's the acquisition of the intangible, which is where they have this war going on. They're taking your liberty, your, your privacy, your private sector prosperity, your opportunity. We saw it with Obamacare. Well, with, with one stroke of a pen, they annexed one-sixth of the economy. We see it in a lot of liberal policies. A, a lot of, and we've seen it with, the, you bring up Obama, we've seen it with the Obama administration, if you'll allow me to get outside of Illinois mm-hmm. and, and take it to a larger level, because it's kind of the same practices, just on a larger scale. Uh, the president has been, and I'll use the term, bothered by international uh, incidents and occurrences that he has to deal with mm-hmm. because he's much more comfortable, much more focused on what he wants to achieve within the borders of the United States. That's really where his game is at. It's not outside. It's the expansion within of government. This started with the uh, Paul Simon Public Policy Institute releasing a poll at the end of the week last week asking a 1,000 registered voters how they, how you, the registered voter, would fix the state's $9 billion and growing budget deficit. Uh, They also, and and I think we referenced this last week, asked the should I stay or should I go poll, and 47% said they would like to leave, although of those, less than half said they had concrete plans. If if you're a pro-Illinoisan, whether or not you think this state is going in the right direction or needs to be saved and you're ready to do the hard work. The fact that 21% of the state has intentions to leave, that's scary. That is hugely scary. Because like we, well, like we said last week, uh, don't think of them as people. You have to look at this the way government looks at it. That's money. That's your, the way government, that's revenue that you're going to be losing. Yes, government it looks at you the way... Uh, the machines looked at human beings in the matrix. <laughs> yes. You are yes. their battery. You are there to produce mm-hmm. for them. While, while the machines wanted the native electricity that all humans naturally produce, the government wants your money so that they can continue to expand. Again, government is the expansionistic power in this scenario, and, and we have to be on guard against that. Coming up this morning on the morning meeting, we'll check in with Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit. We'll figure out whether or not we're being trolled or we just witnessed a crime based on a postal worker brag. But next, Quaid says digital safe space ain't real. We'll figure out what's going on next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. 
No, no foul in you not knowing the answer to that. I used to know. I used to know. <laughs> that's fine. I got friends across the spectrum of life, uh, man. You got fine. to. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Just a reminder, uh, before we jump off with this, uh, tonight is the debate for the 18th district. This is Darren LaHood and Junius Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. 6.30 uh, the State Journal Register uh, is going to host the feed. I know they're going to have it. I haven't gotten a chance to do any further looking, but if you hit up sj-r.com, the uh, link is already up there, and okay. they have the countdown clock on. So they will be uh, they will be showing that with an online telecast uh, coming up tonight. Okay. And then a uh, reminder as well, a week from Thursday, that's next Thursday, the 27th, uh, Senator Kirk and uh, the challenger Tammy Duckworth will be debating, and that's going to be hosted at the University of Illinois Springfield's Sangamon Auditorium. Haven't seen any uh, media plans for distribution on that yet. Also, if you missed uh, the Madigan movie I got, I got yesterday. to see half of it. Okay. I came in halfway in. Uh, it started at like 11.30. I jumped on about about noon. I was fascinated by the work. Uh, Austin Berg, the mm-hmm. writer for it, we had on uh, last week on, on Wednesday. Grab the podcast if you missed it. And this is coming up. We'll, we'll remind you again at the end of the week. It's going to be shown again on this coming Sunday mm-hmm. on the CW channel here in the Quincy community. So we'll, we'll remind you. 11.30 this coming Sunday. I think it was 10... This no, it was eleven thirty yesterday. Oh, it was eleven thirty yesterday. Yeah, so it's going to be ten next hour. week. Yeah, okay. so it'll be ten next week. So I'm going to have to set the alarm clock for that. I had a listener at church come up and ask me about it, and I I had been talking about DVRing it uh, off and on through Saturday, and then when she mentioned it yesterday, I was like, no, oh! God. <laughs> <Forgot! laughs> but I, I was fascinated by it, as were the other people in the house who kind of all filtered in uh, and sat down and, and took it in. So I, I want to watch it from the jump. Uh, coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, and you mentioned we were coming back, you have friends from uh, all different spectrums and uh, backgrounds, and that's a good thing. You, you, you need to be able to... to I think so. Yeah, uh, be uh, diverse in, in many different uh, ideas, at least be aware of different uh, perspectives out there. And this, this election, I think, more than anything else, has pushed people to areas that... I think ultimately they're uncomfortable uh, being in, and they're uncomfortable enough being in those areas that they cannot abide anybody questioning them. And I think it's because they're not really solid where they are. Um, and I bring this up because I'm going to double down on that. There, there was one thing that I didn't want the the teacher or professor to do when I was in school. It's asked me a lot of questions if I didn't do the required work. Because it's it, you, you, well, you become transparent right away. Sure. You don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, internet intolerance, and I, and I and I'm putting this internet. I just use the I because of alliteration, but it's really social media intolerance that is really increased over the last uh, few months uh, or so. And you could probably uh, I, there's, there will be studies when this election is over that will be able to show these types of things. But but there are people that I am acquainted with who I've worked with in the past or I'm friends with who are in a position right now on social media where they cannot abide anybody who has an altering viewpoint. And I, I, I'm going to take this time, and I know most of you get this, but there are some out there who don't get this. When you are on social media, that is akin to you standing on a street corner 
and making a statement. You're not alone in a room by yourself. If you're on social media, you have connections, you have friends, you have followers. And when you make a statement, they all see it. And if they comment, then there's a good chance that their connections and associates and friends will see it as well. Uh, you have to understand that you are going to get people replying to what you say, and they're not all going to agree with the statement that you've made. And you have to you have to be okay with that. You can't chase everybody off or unfriend people. I mean, there are going to be times when people are commenting on a statement that you made in a thread of yours who may not be your friend. There might be friends of a friend who see a statement that you make and think, well, out of bounds, Smokey. I'm going to comment on this. You can't then unfriend them. There's a whole lot of this going on right now. If you don't agree with my stance on this, just go ahead and unfriend me right now. Well, thanks for being eight years old. Most eight-year-olds aren't allowed on social media. So maybe it should be you who remove yourself from social media instead of trying to make everybody else go away. Go find your safe space. It's in your room, and it's not online. Online is not a safe space. So just be aware that when you're on social media, the social part is in play. And if you get challenged on something, you have to have the bona fides to back it up. Believe in your position enough that you can at least rebut somebody rebutting you. You can't just claim safe space and chase everybody away and say, I can't deal with people who don't think like I do. You're going to be very, very lonely in the end. This isn't something that is going on in just certain spheres either. You talk about older, uh, successful men. I've watched do the same thing. My dad has a, a sphere of artists that he's worked with for a long time, and he lost a friend of his for about a year. My dad's a, a, a squishy moderate, so it wasn't anything that, that, that he did that, that offended this gentleman, but they have some people who were way further you know, out on the left, and, and this gentleman who I know fairly well, uh, leans more to the conservative side of the island. He cut off contact with people for about a year because he's not somebody who's politically active day to day. He he reads and, and makes an informed decision when he goes to vote, but he's not the kind of person who wants to break it down every time you get together. And and he that because of the cycle that we're in and what's on the line, especially with this presidential debate, he just recused himself because it was too much for him. So you have this overwhelming sense for some that I think is is the opposite side of the coin to the sense of protected entitlement uh, that others feel as well. But because they're posting it, it's some sort of safe space. And see, safe spaces be, become almost, <laughs> again, using, using liberal words against them. It's become my trigger phrase. It's what <laughs> sets me off. Because safe space, what we learned when, when we were growing up, was a, a school or something like that where you knew your kids were being watched or, or there was some guidance there for them and there weren't predators lurking around every corner. All right. A, a, a safe space is where you trust the people around you. Yeah. You can't trust anybody on the Internet sure. because you're never alone with people that right. you can trust. The, the, the rules. And I, you, you say safe space. I think of like uh, I'm, I'm on home base. Well, you're playing right. tag or something. Right. Right. You can't. You can't get me here. Right. I'm on. I'm on home base. Right. So, but that doesn't exist, especially on social media. Mm -hmm. and, and, and just look at it this way: the the more friends you've got who have different perspectives, the more you take in, 
the more information you see out there, I think the better you'll understand uh, where people are coming from. And, and if, if, if people and people's opinions are too troubling for you, maybe it's you who should remove yourself from social media like your, your dad's friend did. Mm-hmm. Just take yourself out of circulation. Don't demand that everybody else... Right. In, in, in case you don't know, when you have a digital device, the the odd symbol that you may not understand where there's a circle and then at the top there's a vertical line through it, that's the international symbol for power. You push it, <laughs> it shuts it off. And you always have the power to do that. And by the way, when I snapped my fingers, I remembered the third food group I had forgotten about, coffee. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that was the... Third food group. Uh, there was a, uh, I don't know if we have time for it, but there was a story that you were sharing about a, an entertainer. Depends on how much time you want to spend with Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit. Well, okay, very brief. There was a, there's an entertainer that you were you would mentioned, and I hadn't heard this story, uh, who, and famous, I guess, over the last couple of years. It, it was mo- written up in movie the, uh, is it Tampa, is it Tampa, St. Petersburg Times? Amy Schumer was doing a show down there, and she is a activist uh, liberal. As part of the uh, Hollywood machine, mm-hmm. she uh, she grew very frustrated when she asked the crowd if there were any Trump supporters there. Uh, a lot of people raised their hands. She drug one of them up on stage. And when she began berating slash questioning them and the gentleman was informed, rebutted her points and gave his point of view on things, she became very frustrated that she wasn't able to just embarrass this person for the sake of the rest of her liberal audience and ended up telling people who were there that if you cheered any of that, you would be ejected from the show. By the way, embarrassing people who've paid to come to your show for their political beliefs, maybe not the best way to get people to come to your show in the future. (laughs) So we'll see uh, if that has any further backlash, or I I, I doubt it will. It was was mentioned uh, in passing on, on an aggregator I was looking through, and it didn't really go anywhere. Had something happened, had the audience come to blows or the place burned down, sure, you'd be hearing about it everywhere. Thankfully, it didn't. Uh, but no, this is this is a, a, a mindset that exists, and we have to be be vigilant as we look at it. Coming up, Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, trolling or real deal? A postal worker has been bragging on social media about ripping up Trump ballots. Jim has the story next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting. Here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Oh, we're going to have to talk about that before the show's over. Tonight's the Quincy City Council vote on one of my old buildings here in town. I'm going to have to. Oh, yes, it is. I'm going to have to uh, say something about that before the end of the show. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, good morning. Good morning, guys. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you as well. So many great stories you're following at thegatewaypundit.com. I don't know where to start, but I'm going to take a chance because uh, we better start with this in case anybody else thinks about mailing it in. Are we being trolled or, or is this for real, Jim? There's a postal worker, and you have the story, who's been bragging about seeing filled out Trump early voting ballots in the mail and ripping them up. Yeah, that's something, isn't it? That, yeah. that was posted this weekend on this uh, Twitter account, 
And uh, supposedly this person is in Ohio um, bragging, Big battleground state. bragging yeah. about r- ripping up these uh, these uh, uh, ballots, absentee ballots um, from Republicans. So, uh, you know, Trump says uh, the election is rigged and then you see things like this. And it, it certainly uh, makes you think maybe tr- Trump is on to something. Well, I don't know if it speaks to a larger coordinated effort, but to me, and I don't if if a conservative was ripping up liberal ballots, I'd be just as upset. There's a time for activism and there's a time to respect everyone's rights to vote, and especially when you are a public sector employee to take this upon yourself. To me, more than being late to work or maybe using a postal truck to drive off your route and get a soda, this, to me, is a fireable offense if this is real. This is a betrayal of the public trust and the job that you're supposed to do. No, absolutely, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an offense where you can be prosecuted and thrown in jail. This mm-hmm. is a federal offense for tampering with uh, somebody's balloting. I mean, that's uh, such a sacred uh, right of every American, the right to vote. And uh, to, see, to see people joking, if it is a joke or uh, you know, if it's real, that's even worse. Um, ab- about destroying Republicans' ballots, uh, you know, it's, it's disgusting. And uh, another thing I should point out, and that is you always see these sort of things on the left. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Republican say something like this, just like uh, most of the, uh, the you know, the, the fraudulent uh, voters who are voting twice. It seems like they're always Democrats. We never see many Republicans doing things like this. Well, it's also a, a federal crime to tamper with the mail. So uh, there's a there's a doubling down of offenses going on, and from somebody who works in the uh, postal community. Right. Absolutely. Do they take a sworn oath, or is that just kind of understood when you get issued the mail carrier's a patch? I don't know. I, I don't, it's kind of a secret. I think society, it would be part of the, the civil service exam. Would, would you would be think part so. of that? Yeah. All right. We'll see where this goes. Hopefully, this is just a ill-timed joke because not only do you have the federal offense but Jim you mentioned it this taking place in Ohio one of the key battleground states as we see both sides sort of looking at the electoral college map many have agreed on certain states it looks for certain that Missouri will go Trump that Illinois will go Clinton but Pennsylvania, Ohio, these states, and, and practically those two in particularly many on both sides of the aisle agree they could be what decide this election. Absolutely. And uh, so, so, you know, it, it, uh, it sucks that we're seeing this coming out of Ohio. Um, I hope that uh, something's done about it. You know, we've seen so much through uh, the, this Obama administration, these years of Obama, that many of these criminal acts, you know, there's, there's no prosecution. There's absolutely no accountability in government. So hopefully something will be done here. At least a little investigation will take place. But, um, you know, I'm not going to count on it under uh, this administration. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on The Morning Meeting. Jim, uh, in regards to people lashing out at uh, Trump's campaign and uh, the GOP, there were GOP offices in North Carolina that got firebombed uh, overnight. What are the details about that story? Do, do Are there any leads? Uh, I haven't heard anything yet on the leads. This happened uh, late Saturday night, Sunday morning, and uh, they firebombed uh, – the GOP uh, offices in uh, Orange County, North Carolina. Uh, they also uh, wrote, wrote it with spray paint on the side. Uh, 
you know, Nazis get out of here uh, or else. Um, Nazi Republicans. So, you know, obviously it doesn't sound like they were disgruntled Ted Cruz voters. Um, these were these were leftists. These are hardcore leftists. We hear uh, that, that the leadership of the left call uh, and accuse Republicans, including Hillary Clinton, of being, uh, you know, Nazis. And this, uh, you know, this this talk that uh, they equate with uh, Hitler and stuff, which is just disgusting that they use that type of language. But they've been using it since the 60s against Republicans. But when they continue to do this, uh, you know, it, it gets their uh, their supporters all fired up, and uh, this is what happens. Uh, Republican offices get torched, get uh, vandalized, and uh, Republican Trump supporters get beaten out in the street. So the left uh, likes to talk about how Donald Trump uh, is so violent, and yet um, it's always their, their thugs that are the ones beating people up in the street. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit. If, if you heard a giggle in the background, that was me. I was just imagining, because you can tell what people's ideology is by who they assume is the picture of, of evil, so to speak. So if that had been a disgruntled Ted Cruz supporter, the message would have said, like, dirty populist, squishy centrist, yeah. get out of, <laughs> of, of this area. So you can tell sort of who the perpetrators are, at least from an ideology, by who they assume is their their picture of 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 evil or or malfeasance or, or whatever you're going to have on that topic? So I just I was just imagining Ted Cruz supporters with spray paint uh, at that point. Jim Hoft, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Also, Jim, you got a story about I guess victim blaming. Somebody at CNN is actually uh, blaming Trump for the firebombing. Yeah, isn't that unbelievable? So this they talked about it yesterday, and uh, of course. On CNN, which is really just completely unhinged lately, uh, this Brian Stelter, one of their hosts, uh, you know, says, well, it's because of Donald Trump's violent rhetoric that these things are happening. Of course, it's always, you know, a Republican's fault. If it wasn't Trump, it'd be Cruz. If it wasn't Cruz, it'd be Rubio. Whoever it is, it doesn't matter. It's always a Republican's fault. And it's always, always, always the left. They're the ones who are in the street with, with sticks and uh you know, firebombs and uh, and uh, these violent uh, attacks on conservatives. Uh, it's rarely, a very rare instance that we see a Republican doing something like this. I'm glad so, you guys. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm glad you guys brought up the media industrial complex in CNN. Uh, they also, uh, since we've talked, Jim, have come out with the propaganda that it's illegal to read any of the WikiLeaks articles. Uh, Julian Assange has been targeted. You had that story up. But with, with CNN spreading this, it's nothing but propaganda, trying to scare people off of, of reading the information that's in there, uh, this, is, this is something that I think is, I don't want to use the word betrayal, but this is the, the, the furthest step that I've seen an American media industrial complex who acts more often as censor than informant, uh, this is the furthest length I've seen them go to to try and censor information that uh, either doesn't advance their own internal agenda or that they don't think Americans are smart enough to comprehend and put together for themselves. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've seen this with the WikiLeaks document, and it's probably why the CNN host Cuomo doesn't want uh, listeners and viewers to read these WikiLeaks emails, it's because a lot of the CNN 
reporters are actually included in this list of people who uh, the Hillary campaign has been meeting with, plotting with, planning, uh, strategy with. Several of these media personalities from uh, the New York Times, uh, CNN, several other outfits, uh, they're all listed there right inside the WikiLeaks documents. Um, AP, AP reporters, there's a whole list of people who uh, had been planning strategy with the Clinton campaign. Notice also that the, uh, the reporters and the Clinton campaign have not said that any of these documents were uh, fabricated. All they're saying is that it's Putin or Russia or something else. Or, or with CNN, they're saying they're, it's illegal to view them. Um, but uh, no one is saying that these aren't authentic documents. Um, and they are damning, and that's why CNN does not want Americans to read this. CNN wants to be the gatekeeper on what you see, what you hear, what you read. And obviously, WikiLeaks, they want you to stay away from. Yeah, it was Chris Cuomo who said that it would be illegal to possess WikiLeaks uh, documents, but said it would be different. It's different for the media. I'm going to quote him here. So everything you learn about this, you're learning from us, uh, unquote. But we live in an era of citizen journalists. You are one of them, uh, Jim. What media law is he citing here? Uh, he, he's not. He's making up stuff. And you know what's interesting, too, guys? Um, we see as these... these uh, Media outlets as they become more and more biased, and really, uh, this year we've seen that the media and the Democrat Party, there is no boundaries between these two groups anymore. They're working together, they're partying together, they vacation together, they meet together. All of these people, they're one group. There is no difference between the Democrat Party and the mainstream media today. Um, and uh, so they're, but, but as they've done this, they've lost the trust of Americans. We saw one poll that only 6% of Americans trust the media. And on the other hand, uh, you know, outlets like mine, um, my, my traffic continues to uh, skyrocket because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to report the other side of the story and the rest of the story that the media does not tell uh, the public. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. One outspoken American over many of these issues in the last, I want to say, nine months because we have a good public record over that time. He was certainly doing this more in his community. That's been uh, the rising star on the national landscape, Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark. He tweeted out over the weekend that Americans had have enough of the D.C. and media corruption, time for pitchforks and fire. Sheriff Clark is an African-American, and does he get the leeway to say <laughs> what, what normally liberals would tell you was inciting violence because of what they believe is a protected status as a minority African-American versus if you would have had Sheriff Joe Arpaio or somebody else uh, with a similar background say it, who the only difference was what we are told is no difference at all, which is the color of our skin, they would be being tarred and feathered right now. I would, I, I happen to uh, agree that America is fed up with this, and I, I think he's right, but is he getting a slide on the calling for pitchforks and fire, Jim? Uh, you know, a lot of the leftists uh, across the country saw this. Uh, Sheriff Clark, of course, is a very strong voice on the right today, mm -hmm. a staunch Trump supporter. And uh, I, I think he nailed it. You know, you look at his words today. He, he, uh, he actually, you know, uh, tried to clean up, uh, you know, some, some of the attacks that have been on him during this, this segment on 
uh, Fox and Friends this morning, I believe it was. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, I think he's right. Americans are very upset. I think I think uh, the left and the media and these elites are going to be in for a big surprise on Election Day uh, with some of the results that we're going to see because uh, no, you know, they've been on a, a, a jihad against Donald Trump the past two weeks. And I don't think it's made anybody any less likely to go vote. I think people are more fired up than ever, especially once you start seeing through some of these attacks they're throwing at Trump. It's disgusting. Jim Hoff, The Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on The Morning Meeting. Check him out, thegatewaypundit.com. And, Jim, you're deep into your 30 reasons in 30 days to vote for Donald Trump list. Right. My uh, Actually, my, my brother's putting this together. Today he mentions uh, the, the Trump train or the Trump uh, uh, the enthusiasm for Trump. Uh, Trump uh, today, right now, uh, he's had a, a half a million people at his rallies in the past couple of months. Hillary's had, on the, on the other hand, about 25,000, and that's being generous. She gets two, 300, 400 people at a rally. Trump's getting 10,000 at a rally. There's certainly a difference in enthusiasm this year, and it's not for Hillary Clinton. Jim Hall, the Gateway Pundit, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. That final debate coming up on Wednesday night. We'll break all that down with Jim and get sort of his prediction as we head toward Election Day a week from now. Looking forward to that. Jim, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Jim. All right, guys. Thanks. We'll wrap it up next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrease, Quaid with you this morning. Ben Yount's coming up tomorrow on the morning meeting. He always mentions it. Government does the small things right. A new entry will be added to the Illinois 2017 publication on the official rules of the road. What what prompted this? Uh, a, Chicago, a suburban Chicago mother of five was killed by an SUV while riding her bike in a crosswalk. So the state is essentially taking up the, she didn't understand what the crosswalk symbols were, so now she's going to get her own page in rules of the road. These are the kinds of so we're not changing minutia. the rules of the road, right? It's just a reminder. These we're just giving of, examples. Yes, of, this is the kind of minutia okay. that the government is is good at. Um, the entry will explain that when the crosswalk signal is activated and the lights are flashing, drivers need to stop until pedestrians and bicyclists have safely crossed the road. Okay, somebody had to die to get that entry. Well, the. the other people have died in the crosswalk. It's not. It's not like you know they. Somebody died. Let's let's use that. But they just decided to focus on this particular yeah. one. Yeah. Because I, th- there have been other people who've died in crosswalks because people failed to yield. Quincy City Council tonight expected to vote on a resolution that would override the recommendation of the Preservation Commission. This is the the case that's been going on uh, about the property at 421 Jersey, next to the uh, Quincy Media Harold Wig headquarters there, uh, just to the east of the patio restaurant, if you're familiar with downtown. Um, I've got a unique perspective on this because I lived in that building mm-hmm. for three years. 
I lived in the nicest apartment in that building for three years. Uh, the building was empty when I uh, moved in. took over. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, When I moved in, yeah, I didn't take over the building. It was owned by uh, Proc Properties. And they, they had, uh, I, I think the technical term is deferred maintenance for a long time. This is a building that was it's like 5,600 square feet, was the YWCA at one point. I mean, there was a sauna in the it's basement. A lot of space. A lot of space. A lot of interesting things. But one room, the Lincoln bedrooms on the historic register. So that's some of the hand-wringing from the Preservation Society. Even the attic is fascinating in that building. I always thought it would, if I owned it, and, and I actually, I, I made inquiries because I thought it was a cool enough building. And at the time, they wouldn't come off it. Once they've dropped the price six figures since I looked at it uh, originally, and this is something that if you're going to get into it and you expect it to be some kind of showplace, there's a lot of additional infrastructure costs mm-hmm. there. So sometimes letting things go is uh, part of what we have to do, and I would imagine that that's the way it's going to go. All right, that's going to do it for us this morning. More morning meeting coming up tomorrow, including why it might be harder to run your air conditioner next year. Yeah, that's next. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.